Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Hi, everyone. Today we have Aaron Glancy. And Aaron, we're so glad you're here today. Uh, we love talking to graduates. And um, can you just kind of fill us in where you are now, what you're doing? Yeah, yeah totally. Um, yeah, so like Heidi said, I'm Aaron Glancy. I, I recently got back, I guess recently by six months ago, but I uh, recently got back from a full-time mission, two-year mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I served in uh, Las Vegas on the west side, and that was as fun as it sounds. Um, and now I'm here in Provo, Utah, and I'm, uh, I'm currently working as an MTC teacher. That's uh, the Missionary Training Center. Um, and I just, I teach what I was <laughs> two years ago. And, uh, although they're probably, um, yeah, no, there's some changes, but so that's been fantastic. And I'm also currently as a recently, I'm a currently a tutor for a 14 year old's homeschooling. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to practice what I preach <laughs> and practice what I've lived. Um, but it's going super well. Yeah. I've been here in Provo for uh just over four months or so oh that's awesome so are you planning to go to BYU then yeah that is the plan um eventually to BYU I'd love to study philosophy or psychology or history and then go to law school so that that's like the tentative plan but I will say I'm probably more flexible than I've ever been in my life <laughs> when it comes to things like that I'm just uh and especially given the educational principles I grew up with, I'm not so worried about the kind of stamp of approval I get <laughs> at the end of my uh, my college experience. So, um, yeah, we'll see what it looks like. So what uh, made your mom decide to homeschool, homeschool you and your siblings? You know, I, I think I could draw back to a number of reasons. Uh, but I have to give credit where credit is due. And I, I think she would say the same thing, um, that it really just came down to God. <laughs> and, and I find that a, a similar, um, a similar thing. It was funny when I served in Vegas, um, I met a lot of homeschooling families, uh, especially a lot of Lemmy families. Um, and I, and I asked them, you know, about their, kind of their own origin story and, and a lot of it came down to just an internal calling, especially the mothers feeling uh, this need um, for a different way for their children, away uh, away from what what is popular, what's currently going on in public education and and in the conveyor belt system. So I, I think it was similar along those lines. And and there were some struggles that older siblings, older brothers of mine were having, whether socially with bullying. Uh, there was a learning disability in there with um, other siblings. And, and so that contributed, but it really came down to just feeling called. So. So do you know when your mom like found leadership education and started doing that, if there was like a change or did she just start off kind of doing leadership education? I mean, it's okay. totally okay if you don't. <laughs> yeah. No, I wish I, I wish I had all the numbers for you, but I, um, I like about how old were you when they when you joined the the Commonwealth or the co-op that you were part of? Oh man, so I know I I did kindergarten, first and second, all um in public school, and obviously I survived survived enough uh, of that. I made it out okay, <laughs> but uh, I and then third grade beyond. So however old you are at third grade is about when I started for me and you guys found a commonwealth like right away and were able to just start so there was someone in our a local uh, congregation of our church who was doing something similar so we had connections and and i can't remember if it was um they just routed us straight to a co-op it was already lemmy and um or if there was a step 
along the way, but I, it was something like that, a connection through church and, and that just got us going in that direction. So. So basically as soon as you turned 12, you were able to like start the Lemmy projects. That's pretty cool. I don't know if we've had someone on here that has been able to do it from when they were 12. Maybe we have, but that's pretty awesome. So what is your favorite project? Uh, man, I, you know, I will always say that I have such a love for Shakespeare conquest. Um, I love Shakespeare so much. And my, I, I attribute that to that period of my life. But, um, but I, where I really grew into the principles of leadership education had to be in quest for sure. Do you have like a favorite, um, uh, book or paper or something that happened in quest that you realize like this was very transformational for me um for so for example like the personal manifesto i know heidi's talked about that a few times being something that really has made a difference in her boys lives um i really i grew a lot from the supreme court simulation didn't love it (laughs) 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 while i was doing it but later i did really like it um, I also really enjoyed the the having the orals exams. Didn't love during, but I really grew a lot, really very quickly from having to do those. Yeah. But do you have something from Quest that you're like, oh, this was really helpful, whether you liked it when you were doing it or not? Yeah. Um, I there were. I mean, it seemed like every day in Quest was a paradigm shift, um, which is what was just so fantastic about it. But I, I fell in love with the founding fathers and um, and with their lives um, in the real George Washington, the real Thomas Jefferson, the real Benjamin Franklin, um, becoming familiar with them. And I remember reading, I can't remember what the book was on Patrick Henry, um, but I, I fell in love with public speaking Uh, not through Quest, but previously through Unleashing Your Voice. Um, And and I had won the prepared speech competition. I have to put that out there, just like throw that out there. Um, So I know what I'm talking about, right? Um, (laughs) But I, I, um, and so I related a lot to Patrick Henry as a figure and what he was called to, or what is so clear for us to see, who was called to do, which was be a voice for the revolution, for the beginning of this great separation from the greatest superpower on the earth at the time. And um, and I remember reading it, and I literally, when I get excited or, or passionate about something, I was just shaking. Like I was reading his words, reading, give me liberty, give me death, and, and reading about what he said, what he did, and I was just, <laughs> I was electrified with excitement. And gosh, I could see myself there, there in the, you know, the Richmond uh, convention in Virginia. And um, yeah, it just, it lit my soul on fire. And that was a a definitely, that's a poignant experience that I remember out of other statesmen that we studied, uh, but similar experiences throughout for sure. Yeah, I remember um, reading about that speech. that he gave uh and do they still read that in quest then is that something one of the speeches they read or is it just um because I, I know i know they read speeches but i can't remember if there's options or choices because i know i read i don't know if i read it in quest though i might have read it on my own but that's one of the things that i really love about quest is how many of this of different speeches they read or different things from different statesmen that they read and um it was it's interesting though because um I've been studying a lot about the chemistry of the brain just because I don't know. I just read a lot. (laughs) (laughs) My, my reading list has no rhyme or reason. It's, it's, it's what it is, (laughs) but I'm certainly reading a book about um, the, it's called the, um, the moral molecule. I've mentioned this before, but um, on the podcast but anyways the hypothesis behind this is there's a scientist who goes and he's been studying about 
trust me, there's a point to this. This is another talking <laughs> on the tangent, but the, the scientist goes and he studies about why people make moral choices. And one of the things that he discovered was we make choices um, to connect, to build trust and community based off of oxytocin that's released in our body um, when we have certain things. But one of the things he says is that when we study um, about, hear stories of other people's lives, um, it causes a dump of oxytocin in our brain and enables us to remember it better. Um, and so he was, he was talking about how like one of the most powerful ways you can teach people is through stories. And I think it was, I, it was really interesting um, because I'm like, why, why is quest basically like in quest one, like, it's just like, you could say it's a biography class, like in some way. Right. Cause it's like, we just read all these biographies. So it's like, what's the point of just having a class where we read a bunch of biographies? Like that seems odd, but as I've been thinking about it more, what I've realized is it's not just about reading these lives of these, these great men and women in history it's about us creating having an oxytocin release in our brain that causes a desire for us to know why these people were the way they were and then choose to emulate it um and i think there's so much power at, at, when you're a, a young child and you're developing your sense of self because another aspect of the brain is your your frontal lobe is developing and that's where your sense of personality and your sense of who you are is, is. And that is really mo a ton of development is done right in that that teenage years because there's a lot of cortisol that gets put into it and which causes a lot of brain development to happen. And um, I think it's so cool that we use Quest to inspire the development of the child and the self, helping our brain make connections with other with people we should emulate, right? Um, and I I was talking to. Um, my niece in the car just today as we were driving to Commonwealth and she's like you know what I really love about all this is like studying the people because it really helps me decide what kind of person that I want to be I'm like wow yeah this is awesome <laughs> like who would have thought like if we study people then we can choose the kind of people that she want to be and she's like and I've definitely made some choices about who what kind of people I don't want to be <laughs> I was like what book was that from <laughs> But do you have, so you talked about connection to Patrick Henry and you're going and you want to go into politics. It did, is your, or not politics, but into like political science or philosophy. What pushed you in that direction so far with like your education? Yeah. So if I understand correctly, what, um, what put, pushed me in the current educational direction or vocational or career direction that I'm headed based off of my education? Is that right? Um, so I, well, I, I mentioned that I found a love for public speaking. And so I started to know um, that I, uh, that that would be involved somehow, <laughs> you know, uh, and Quest was just, well, and this sums up both my whole leadership education, which continues, obviously, but um, was consistent experiences with mission, right? I mean, I'm we're touching on the lives and characters of these mission-driven uh, individuals um, who accomplished a great work um, and who moved the cause of liberty, who inspired greatness in others. And you can't help but that rubs off just a little bit, right? Uh, a mentor of mine, uh, she called it once wayfinding. And I don't know if there's a better word for it, wayfinding. Um, this internal compass that points points to our, our north. Um, and who is it? Was it Aristotle who talks about where the needs of the world and your passions and skills uh, intersect, there, therein lies your vocation, something along those lines. Um, and it's in, it's in the eighth habit um, by Covey, but... Um, I began to find where the needs of the world intersected with my passions and my interests. And I, I began to develop a love for liberty and personal freedom. Uh, a personal note along this was during Quest, during my uh, years of Quest, I was intensely struggling with both recovering from a major concussion from football, as well as um, uh, incredible anxiety and uh, spells of depression. And 
so when it comes to uh, um, personal bondage and captivity, I was becoming very aware of that. And it developed within me. And I feel like I've had this I mean, since birth. That's kind of what makes it mission, right? But um, I feel a passion for uh, helping, for liberating the, cap the captive, I mean, to sum it up, right? And, um, and to be involved in uh, preserving freedom and personal liberty and whatever way that looks. So it's funny, on my mission that I serve for my church, uh, uh, people, you have dinners with people in your local congregations all the time, uh, and and depending on where you were in Vegas, uh, it was they did very well at that. That <laughs> was great. Uh, but uh, and they would ask us, you know, Elder, uh, what are your plans? <laughs> what do you want to do? What's what's your career looking like? What what do you want to accomplish? And and it, I found it really really difficult to mention a career path but I could talk so much about my passions and what I felt like was my mission. And, um, and to a certain extent, I know, I know I'm giving like so much more maybe context than is necessary, but um, you can ask my mom, this is like, this is just me. Um, but uh, I, and that eventually came back to bite me in the butt that I need to start making decisions about what I wanted this to look like. And, that I find mission along the way. Um, but it basically came down to, I wanted to liberate the captive. I had felt personal captivity in my own life uh, specifically. And I was beginning to see general captivity uh, in the forms of, you know, the politics and, and in our country and certain rights being um, taken and over time. And, and so it's this general, uh, this desire to liberate the captive. I remember reading uh, Freedom Factor, and I can't remember if this is in Lemmy curriculum. So let me know if it is. Okay, it is. Perfect. I remember reading Freedom Factor, and I got to the end where, I don't know if they, like, the main characters are there in, well, I know it's it's in D.C., but there are there's an inscription on the inside of Thomas Jefferson's uh, memorial uh, within the rotundra, and um, and it says, and it, they, you know, it's written in the book. And I remember reading this with my little brother. We were both like near into tears <laughs> at the end of this book. Uh, but I, well, I read it for the first time reading that book. And it says something to the effect of, I have sworn upon the altar of God, eternal hostility towards any form of tyranny over the mind of man. And I read that and I was hooked. And I knew I had. I have made that promise at some point, whether before this life or in this life, I had made that promise. I have sworn upon the altar of God, eternal hostility against any form of tyranny upon the mind of man. And that is, that's my mission. Uh, and I'm sure as I grow and, and there's more context that will, you know, that, that will come in and, and uh, it'll be become clearer and clearer. But so to me right now, that looks like pursuing the education that comes from um, law school. And that looks like the kind of, and building relationships with professors and people at BYU, who I feel hold similar values. There's a current push to focus more on freedom of religion, uh, preservation of the family and constitutional uh, law. Uh, basically, those are three major focuses of BYU, and they're trying to gear things towards that. And and I fall in line with that. And I, I want to develop relationships with professors there. And I, um, it, which is, it's, you should hear in how I'm talking about it. I'm not saying, oh, I want to graduate with this. I want to get this, you know, stamp. I want to check off that box along my educational path. I don't really care, actually. <laughs> I care more about the educational environment. And to me, I know that that is more focused on relationships and not just subjects and um, and not just grades. And well, obviously, in order to succeed and have credibility and good grades. But so right now, that's what that looks like. It, it looks like pursuing BYU. The other option in my future, I there is a constitutional um 
there is a Center for Constitutional Studies. I think it's a, a lab, you can call it, at University uh, Utah Valley University at UVU. And it's a joint program with Oxford. And they recently just um, came out with a degree you can get from there. And it's a 14-month degree. Um, it's like a, uh, it's an, an art degree in constitutional studies. Really interesting. But uh, and they send you off to Oxford to study for a couple months. And um, I have some interest there. So there's lots of options. And that's why I say I'm so flexible. I'm way more flexible than I ever been, have been in my life. Um, because I know what's pulling me. It's my North Star. It's, it's uh, the sense of mission I found in Quest. Um, and I'm going to go through every open door in front of me in order to accomplish that or find it. And I know and I trust that um, God will place the resources, the money, the time, and, and the people that I need along the way. It's just, it comes down to that faith for me. So I'll get off my soapbox for a second. No, that's awesome. I love the the, the soapbox because while you're talking, the, some of the connections that I was able to make is is a real. I think you have a real strong understanding of the principle that we teach of psycho be do right. It's like, you know, because uh, if you if you think about where a lot of the people that we try to emulate, you know, none of them had this like set trajectory life path. <laughs> <laughs> and but that's what we teach kids is like this is how you establish happiness in life is you just have a set trajectory life path but but I think what ends up happening is a lot of resentment because that's non-realistic and not a reality but if we were to teach people like here these are the skills and the abilities you need you need to be able to listen to and follow and ask you know the divine for direction you need to be able to build relationships with people who have knowledge and resources that they're willing to share to you in the form of mentoring, <laughs> right? And you need to have a clear sense of your strengths or weaknesses and your direction in life. If you can have those things, the path and trajectory that you take is doesn't have to be laid out in front of you because that's the path of mediocrity to have it laid out in front of you. The path that you're going on is definitely scarier. And a lot of people are like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> But it takes a lot of faith. But in the end, you'll you'll get where you actually didn't know God wanted you to be. You know what I mean? Like whenever I was ever working with youth and they'd be like, I just don't know my life mission. Don't love my life. What my life mission is. Like, first, mission kind of makes me, I don't love the word mission because people think it's something you can check off with the box, right? And you're done. But like I told him, I was like, well, let's just look at Thomas Jefferson. I'm sure when he was 14 and his dad just died, he probably thought to himself, oh, in a few years, I'm going to create a declaration of independence that's going to sever the current political state of, you know, Virginia from its mother country. And then I'm going to spend several years in France trying to negotiate peace there. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to run this new country that I declared independent. And then I'm going to buy a huge chunk of the, the whole land from France. And then I'm going to explore and have we seen like, no, no way he thought any of that. There's just no way he could know all that, you know, like that you can't. You know, so he had this passion to know and understand and and this passion for freedom, just like you like just like you said, he's he swore that's, you know, to tyranny, death, uh, death, death, always to tyrants, you know, and that's what he was. That what he knew. So because he had that sense of direction, he could listen to Patrick Henry's speech in person. Right. Get inspired to kick his butt and study super hard, so he could know all these principles of of you know government and 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 self governance and and all those things, so that when the time did come, they could send them to to, to you know, the Continental Convention or Continental Congress, and he could he could do those things, right? But if he had been like, I'm going to check these boxes off, he wouldn't have been in the right place. So I think you're it's very mature and very inspiring to hear your perception, because I think a lot of kids or not kids, because young adults your age are lost, too. <laughs> not not saying that you're lost, but the, they, they don't have any like, oh, I'm going to do all these things. But you have a sense of like this is like you said, my North star, right? Whereas they have, I have no idea. I'm just wandering and paying thousands of dollars in tuition fees. And I'm just going to keep wandering until they force me to graduate and kick, kick me out. Right. Yeah. And because, because the vision has been handed to them, right? 
by a system that has been previously set up, which has been said by educational boards. This is the vision, the why, the purpose. I, you could even dare say the God for these, this generation, these kids, right? And this is the end all be all. And, and that is just, I mean, that is the greatest cop out of purpose and, uh, and fulfillment in life. Uh, ob obviously the conveyor belt fulfills its purpose to educate the masses and to, to become a working class. Uh, right. But at this point it's failing at that too. <laughs> I think. I, I I totally agree. It is failing. And we are preparing kids for this unknown future. We're actually, we're failing to prepare them because they, they're checking off boxes and they need to learn to be like you. I mean, be flexible, be willing to open every door. If they aren't, they're going to be floundering when they're older. And um, I love that you have you have such a, a wonderful sense of mission. I'm like Tati, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't really like the term mission as much because you know it's just that check another box. But that that North Star idea, that calling, is just so so wonderful. And I'm I'm so grateful that you're sharing it with everybody because mission. I have seen it become just so misunderstood and actually um, be almost like a weight on people's shoulder where it's not, it is that guiding star. It's that calling that, that pulls you in. And thank you so much for sharing that. I, it's, yeah, that's awesome. I, I have a comment on that because I, I've been talking, you know, recently post my missionary service, I've had some critique request. <laughs> I don't know if this is the podcast for it, but I'm just kidding. It, it's it, and really, it's just um, I've I've realized I went through quests and I developed a an assumption that does not serve its purpose. It, it's not um, it's not it's not even aligned with quests. It, it wasn't it wasn't explicit, but I I just developed a belief, and that basically was it was about mission. It was that that these people in the trenches of their life, they knew for certain, you know, George Washington, I will be the leader <laughs> of a new nation um, and become a standard for liberty and freedom for hundreds of years to come. Like, no, not at all, right? When he was just a surveyor as a young man, like that was not going through his mind. Um, and, and, but for some reason, and, and, and then vice versa for, for all these other statesmen and women that we had studied, I, I had gained that impression. Part of that comes back to my anxiety, my need for perfection and some psychological things going on. Um, but uh, that just isn't the case. And what I've come to discover is it's a lot more along the lines of uh, C.S. Lewis has, well, he has many quotes in which I quote often, but I can't really, I can't remember specifically the words for this one, but he says something along the lines of, um, uh, God is not looking for, um, people who just follow a set of rules. He's looking for people of a particular sort, right? So he's looking for character and not for, checked box or not for credentials that's probably a good way to put it he's looking for character and not credentials um and and i realized that mission isn't what you do it's who you become uh, george washington was was the man for the job yeah we can see the boxes he checked yeah he was the first president of the united states he's the leader of the colonial army and uh right and and constitutional convention, all these things we can see the check boxes for sure. But why was he there? Because he was the man for the job. Because he had become by principle, by practice of principle, and by by character development, he had become in, in classics and all the other principles that a leadership education is based off of, he had become who he needed to be. And so mission is who you are uh, and not what you do, right? And so that is, I mean, this is very fresh for me. I'm not, I'm, I'm totally hypocritical throwing it out there because I fall into that same thought and get really afraid. Like I'm going to miss it. You know, there's going to be some crossroad in my life 
or I make the wrong decision <laughs> and I and I miss out on mission, this elusive thing that I'm supposed to do while I'm here on earth. Like, no, I don't need to worry about that because it's who I am. It's who I've become. And and for me personally, when I know I'm right with God, I know ah, get emotional just talking about it. But when I know I'm right with God, I know I'll be exactly where I need to be exactly at the right time and that he will move mountains in my way for me to, to climb. He will put the task at hand in front of me. He will place me in, in the right time. And I don't need to worry about these extraneous, these, these other variables that are just completely, completely without uh, outside of my control. We're interrupting this broadcast to invite you to ask questions or share your epiphanies in the comments section. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using, because that really helps others find our content. Also, check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. So um, while you're talking, the, the thought that came to me is... Um, there's a poem called uh, The Builders. Have you heard it? It's by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Um, but um, like you're talking about, you know, George Washington uh, became this, the first president, right? He, was, he wasn't elected. He became that, right? Because, um, and and so the thought that came to my, to my mind is there's a line in, in this really beautiful poem um, and, and it says he's, uh, the first part says, all are architects of fate working in these walls of time, some with massive deeds and great, and some with ornaments of rhyme. Nothing useless is or low, and each thing is its in its place is best, and what seems but idle show strengthens and supports the rest. Um, and it goes on and talks about um, how we need the thing that we build, this, you know, this, this building of what we're building in life is is time and how we use the time and how we use the time that is unseen by others is the most key thing and that we stay on task building our thing but why i'm talking about it is like you know before washington was the president of the united states he was the man who would sit in the freezing cold of valley forge you know what i mean like so to, so when people say oh i want to be you know like this is what i want to be it's like uh, do you want to be the person that sits through the freezing winter boy forge and watches men die from malnutrition and freezing and and you're freezing and you have a really nice house that you've worked really hard to build and a great future there and and you give that up to freeze like I'm like is that really because I think some people think oh like oh I'm supposed to do this great thing but like the great thing to you know in my phase of life right now is having the patience and the wisdom to know when I need to make my son run the stairs because he's not listening to me or when I need to hold him because he's not okay right like and and like I'm in the trenches doing the things that I know I'm supposed to be doing and they don't look glorious and they look stupid like and they're exhausting and it's it, you know but what people don't understand is like, this is what, if you do this well, when no one's watching you and nobody's, you know, got a selfie stick showing everything that's happening in the home. When, if you do those actions well, then that's what makes you become what, what God can use, you know, to be, make these big decisions and choices. But I think too often we, we separate the two and we see George Washington as all the accomplishments and not the George Washington that suffered through all the horrible, horrible things. Cause if you read his letter letters, they're mostly like life sucks and I'm, I'm terrible. And this is, everyone hates me and it's never going to work out. And his wife's always like, take a deep breath, George, it's going to be okay. Like <laughs> that's what their letters were like. And, and of like, it'd be so nice if we had that perspective, you know, instead of like it, the one we have, this glorified person and I, I think you know to the to the person that asks the question or or gives a statement like man I want to I want to be that person um and and to to which you would respond oh really like you want to be in you know you want to be in Valley Forge you want to see men freezing their feet off like um and and my personal response and is 
no, I, I, I don't aim for that necessarily. I, I don't aim to be in Valley Forge, right? Um, and, I, and I don't aim to be eight years in prison like Nelson Mandela, you know, and, and, or, or to starve myself near to death like Gandhi. Like I, I don't aim to accomplish what they accomplished, but I want to be the kind of men that could do that, that could do that, that when, when called upon, I am able and I have the character, the patience, endurance, the diplomacy, the virtue, the wisdom, right, uh, to be able to do that. Because, and that's, that's the thing about mission, this elusive thing we're talking about, is I don't know. I don't know what the variables will be. I don't want to know what the context will be. Only history can look back and tell that story. But, but I want to be the kind of person that could do that. And that's what I can strive for. And that's what I can aim for. And I, so I love, I love the, the trenches of motherhood that you're talking about there is because, yes, if you win those battles, if you can uh, live uh, disciplined in those moments, then that, like that's your test. That's your that's your cause and you're, and you're doing it right. Um, yeah, I just, I love that. So if you were to tell a, a, uh, quest mentor, you know, if you were to give them some kind of, um, guidance or anything, what would you tell them to, I mean, cause you were saying you, you have some, uh, critique, what would you tell them how, um, to kind of kind of change this for their, their scholars? That's a really, really good question. And it probably deserves more than two seconds of thought, but I will give, <laughs> I'll give what I think just in the moment. Um, because, because the, and so, and I don't attribute the belief that I carried through quest to any of my mentors, right? I think it was just a matter of the circumstance. It was what I was going through at the time in life. Um, and so I, I don't believe it falls on anyone's shoulders, but if we were to be aware of that and what are the misconceptions and stereotypes that can surround this idea of mission? Um, because the, the, the fact is every man, woman, and child has a purpose to fulfill on earth. That's the truth, right? Um, but it is not us to say, um, yeah, you're going to know what it is, right? Or uh, you can aim for this one thing and then, and then check it off. Uh, and, but to focus on, focus so heavily on character, on the kind of uh, men and women that these people were. Um, and, and to do all we can, I, it, yeah, so that's like, that, okay, I'll just leave that as a separate thought. <laughs> The focus on character, focus on character development. The other thing I would throw in there is we need to be uh, tediously aware. We need to be scrupulously aware of what are the, the I don't know what it would call it, other than like the lies of the times. I feel like every generation has um, certain thoughts that and, and limiting beliefs and I think they morph with time and, and we've carried into my generation and following generations and, and even the generation of me, I am not sure, I, I can't speak for that, but um, this major perfectionism and this horrible, horrible, maladaptive uh, perfectionism and this idea that I can in, uh, exalt myself um, that I, I bear the entire weight of every good thing that could come in my life or like something like mission. I bear all that weight. But what did the founders understand intrinsically? What did they write into the words and pages of the Declaration of Independence? That it was nature's God. It was providence which inspired them. It was providence which carried them through against all odds, literally all odds, the Revolutionary War against the greatest superpower on earth. Um, they knew and could attribute their success, the fulfillment of a calling 
to God who gave that calling. Um, and we have this, we have the, one of the lies of the times is this, this weight of all these expectations, these grand ideas and, and causes which we study about and learn about in Quest and other classes. And it's heavy. It is so heavy. So we need to be able to separate the wheat from the tares when it comes to what, what is really within my power to influence. Um, what, what can I be proactive about? And what can I just let go to the wind and to the Lord, right? There's, there's a scripture by, um, there's a, a scripture Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 6. But he says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And I, I don't know if there's a better explanation. It's very poetic, obviously. But he says, I, I do what I can, what I have control over. I can plant the seed, right? Apollos, or life happens, right? The circumstances, nature happens. But God, God gave the increase. And we need to, we need to understand that, that idea at a really deep level, especially for these kids who are just beating themselves against the wall with, um, with expectations that are just wholly unrealistic. I hope that, I hope that makes sense. It, it makes total sense because my youngest son right now is in quest quest three and you described him. Yeah. Perfectionism. He's like, we're, in the personal manifesto stage right now. And it's like, he wants to have the perfect worldview right now that will last him forever. He wants to know everything right now. And it's like, okay, you're only 17, you know, let it unfold. And um, anyway, but I've, I've seen, I have a total of five boys and I mean, he's, he's the fifth one <laughs> but that perfectionism is definitely it's running rampant and so many of these kids they feel like okay at 18 I have to know what I'm doing my entire life has to be planned by the time I'm 18 you know you know how disappointed I was that I wasn't a full-fledged entrepreneur by 18 or <laughs> like by the time I left for my mission, I was so upset that all these grand ideas I had hadn't come to fruition, that I hadn't pursued them to their fullest or even initiated anything. And, and uh, I just didn't, <laughs> yeah, I just, and it's so silly. It's so silly to look back and to see my focus was on the gap and not the gain and how far I had come at that point in my life. Holy cow. Like, and, and I was, and there was praise and, and that I received from my peers and from others. I was able to be a leader in my church environment and, and, and other places because of qualities I had achieved already in my life. And I just, I was not in a place to recognize that. And so I'm not going to pretend to say like, how do we teach that? How do we inspire that? Um, but probably the same way we inspire any other quality in, in leadership education. But yeah. Have you read the book? by Ben Hardy, The Gap and the Gain. I have not, but I'm sure that's where that idea originates from. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good book. I, I highly recommend it. Um, it's something that I try and share with all of my scholars and students and stuff. So. Okay, well, I, I'm going to throw a wrench in this conversation because that's what I do. But <laughs> this is always... I have a group of friends that I still talk through on, on Marco Polo that I met when I was in college and, and growing up through Lemmy projects and stuff. And I'm always throwing wrenches into conversations like, you always come up with the craziest things. I'm like, well, yeah, my brain just going, but here's my wrench. So um, POJ, he's a child psychologist and, and a leading educational theorist. He says that there's phases in which a child goes through. And the phase in which you're in and Tommy's in, you're you're kind of probably out of it now, but is called the messianic phase. Or and and he says, and and it's it's this this phase that is part of what they have to go through is there's this intense desire, they see injustice in the world and they see that things aren't okay, and I have to rectify this. 
And it's the calls of the messianic phase not to be sacrilegious against, you know, obviously the Messiah or Jesus Christ, but but the idea that that uh, one person can, through enough virtue or power, rectify the the things that are wrong in the world. And he says the problem we have with education is that the only people who are giving a cause to these intense 16 to 24 year olds is is the radical left no one else is giving a cause to these these kids in this messianic period nobody's giving them a cause to fight for to to so the injustice is is like oh you know racial insecurity and inequality of wealth and all these things and so you see a lot of this young energy putting toward these easy injustice but see what but like uh, Piaget said this is a phase of life all of us go through it some of us to various degrees we all it is required for us to go through this and as we mature and we move out of that messianic phase then we start to realize well I can't take the world on this isn't a healthy viewpoint like what am I doing to myself in the world like I can't do this but he says it but it's a part it's important part of the development of the ego and the self so i don't know if i agree with piaget because as you were talking aaron i was like totally did that totally thought i was going to conquer the world totally thought i was going to do all these things and yeah definitely didn't and like look back and be like well that was a failure and i have lots of friends who grew up in like leadership educational world and like that didn't work because it made me think i had to go like change the world at 20 and i was like but but wouldn't you have thought you had to change the world at 20 anyways because everyone thinks they have to change the world at 20 because that's what we're going through so i kind of i have mixed feelings about that because in some ways i think it's good I think it's good for us to push and push and push when the child is at that age of like, I could do this. I can take on the world. They haven't experienced a ton of really deep, personal, intense failures, but at the same time, it can be unhealthy. Like you said, like it can be like, oh no, you're going way too far with that. Come back. You know, that's not really what reality is. So personally, I don't know what the balance or what a good answer to this question is, because I think it's realistic. It is a problem. But but maybe it's a good problem, and I have no idea. There's my wrench. What do you guys think? <laughs> I I actually, <laughs> as what the elder statesman in this room, <laughs> I look back at my life, and I I agree. I mean, I had that. I was like, oh, I want to go do this, and then it was like, okay, kids came along, and then it's like, oh, I've got to do this, and it's like, okay, and now I look back, and I'm like oh my gosh, all of these little turns that I had to do, all of these little callings, these, um, you could call them missions. I mean, I, 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 I see it as the way I was developing my genius and sharing it with the world. All of these things were building up to, to give me the abilities and skills that I need right now to do what I'm doing. So it's, it goes back to that say go we do that Aaron you were talking about you yo, you are opening every door you're opening every door and that door that's awesome because that's like the first thing that's the first place you need to go the first thing you need to learn because you don't know what the ultimate thing I mean I don't know what my ultimate thing is I'm just going to keep going until you know you know God tells me okay that's good Heidi <laughs> you can rest now <laughs> But it's like you just keep going and and you build on everything that you've you've received. And I mean, that's one of the things I love about teaching these kids. And I'm I'm just so grateful, Erin, that you've you've shared so much of this with with us because it just makes so much sense. It's such a it's a very healthy vision of what mission is and 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 that. And I'm going to actually suggest that all quest uh mentors. I'm going to put this in, in their stuff that they should, they should listen to, to kind of get an idea of, you know, how to, to message this, because it is, it is something that Tati, I think you're right. I think that it is a, you know, Piaget is, has some truth there, but yet it is something that as a mentor, rather than a teacher, we can include this information and just kind of just put that thought in there and help them see that their life doesn't start at 18 
or 22 or 24, it doesn't end then either, you know, it, it, it just keeps going and keep continuing to have those, those quests, those um, callings and continue to grow and bless the world because that's what you're here to do. So anyway, get off my soapbox now. So. <laughs> Oh, I'm trying to mentally keep track. There's so many good things that have been put out there. I, I couldn't agree more, uh, Tatiana, to what you're uh, mentioning. And um, I, I, sorry, I can't remember the name of the psychologist that you're referring to, but, um, but I think there's some powerful, powerful truths there. It's also, uh, man, just understanding human nature alone is so incredibly powerful i mean and i believe the study of history it's just looking back on human nature and, and fundamentally the judo christian perspective of history is that we are not changing we're not and we're not evolving that the the nature of mankind is the same and that the same problems have have been the problems 100 years ago and they are now and they're spiritual problems and they're not technological or in, innovative or um, that's inherently that's a judo christian that's and that's that's the truth that that's the truth um that human nature is the same so i, I think that's a powerful powerful observation um and i think it stands true in my life i think it's self-evidently there um and you know it to an extent i hope i never grow out of this urgency to be the change uh, i want to see in the world but I, I changed that a little bit because I think um, this this um, this idea of I need to be a part of a greater cause or greater calling that's fantastic and that's great that's there's nothing wrong about that inherently but if that is not coupled with discipline then and personal responsibility then we have the pseudo moralistic um, modern day political rights or, uh, you know, human rights activist uh, movements, which are all talk, no principle, and all talk and no character, or personal responsibility. They are generally movements for more authoritarian uh, policies um, and, uh, and top-down approaches, which do not respect the agency of individuals. Um, and and so the the urgency, the the call, the the feeling, it sounds like it's a natural developmental process. And I think as mentors, we should we take advantage of that 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 ride that they're being taken on. But if it's not coupled with personal responsibility and discipline, then um, it becomes uh, the uh, self entitled individualistic. Uh, radical thinking that we're seeing um and um and i have a great deal of empathy uh and care for people that are in that position and and it helps me understand to understand human nature better because i know this is coming from a place that's real people are in young kids you know 18 24 whatever that age gap is they they feel this strong urge and desire to be a part of something greater than themselves um and that is taken advantage of on a a radical and outspoken uh side of the political aisle uh, unfortunately um because it's the more conservative nature to not be outspoken um and to uh because change is is a progressive idea <laughs> even if we need change back to uh principles uh we're not as not naturally doesn't seem to be we're, we're naturally politically active <laughs> as much but anyways, i could go on about that but i just there's so much well i really like what you, you said it's like if you have that messianic tended like that phase it's fine and it's great, but it also needs to come with that discipline. And then, as you said earlier, it needs to come with that, um, with that inspiration from the divine. I had a friend who growing up was, um, his parents were really awesome in the leadership education world and really 
bought it hook, line and sinker, and they were doing amazing things with their kids. And, and so I, w- I was friends with their family that, um, their oldest son was my age and, and they really taught their kids from a young age. You need to follow what God says and build that relationship with God, right? Like find that if find those say go be do's. And so the, one of their, um, one of their sons was, um, so he said, I really want to be a musician. This is what I'm going to do. And, and so he spent a ton of discipline time, like eight hours a day playing the piano, absolutely beautiful. Um, and he postponed his, um, his a mission that, you know, for his church, because he wanted to produce an album and do all these things and pursue his music. And, you know, and some people in his community were looking down at him, like, why would you do that? Like, you're supposed to go at this age, and this is what you're supposed to do. And he's like, no, this is what God's calling to do is create this music and do these things. And it was, and he produced an album, and he was writing a song. I mean, writing different, um, he was mostly self-composed. And it was, it was just beautiful what he was doing. And then eventually, when he was older than most people would, he decided he would serve a mission. And um, he ended up uh, passing away on his mission. And um, it was horrible. It's still horrible. It's still a really hard thing for me to to think about today. I mean, not because he was such a bright and amazing young man. But the beauty that I saw that is come, the reason I tell this story is because he has left for all of us a beautiful gift in the form of his beautiful album. I play the music still to this day. Um, and, uh, and a memory for all of us who knew him and he touched so many lives and had such huge impact in such a short time. That wouldn't have been the gift that he would have left us had he followed what society had told him to do, right? He wouldn't have had the ability to do that, right? And you can say, well, maybe he wouldn't have passed away or whatever. There's lots of what ifs. But we, but God knew ultimately what was going to happen with this young man's life. And he followed God. And then God was able to do beautiful things with his life because of his choice to follow, right? And we don't all, know, we don't get to know, like you said, but we, if we trust in that divine, and I think that's why it's such a beautiful, that's one of the things I love so much about leadership education is like, people always say, it's like, oh, it, it looks like this. I'm like, no, it looks different for every single person. And it has to because it has to involve the presence of the divine, your strengths and weaknesses, your path, your North star, your way. And that's the beauty of leadership education is it encompasses all those same things, but with principles and with the forms of classics and mentors and, and these projects that we do, they work because they allow that freedom within that structure. You know, so I'm really glad you bring this up, though, because I think it's going to be super helpful for a lot of our quest mentors, like Heidi said, just to get that perspective of being like, okay, while we're trying to inspire the students, let's use our spiritual eyes to be aware of how are our students taking it? What what are they walking away with? Are they walking away with this existential dread? (laughs) Maybe we need to step back and be like, okay, let's take the weight of the world off your shoulders. (laughs) And and at the same time, having the mature perspective as a mentor that the end of the day, I don't bear responsibility for that belief, you know, and they'll have to come to a crossroads like I have in really difficult situations and struggle and cry and pray and, and wrestle with that belief in the way that it's hurting me as it manifests in my life. Um, until I realize and accept the truth, right. Uh, a much greater and and easier <laughs> truth. I'd rather not be bear the weight of uh oh division. <laughs> we might have. Oh shoot. It's not <sighs> well, I guess we can splice them back in <laughs> yeah i mean we're already over time though so yeah but are we over an hour because he got on later i didn't think we started we're, till... we're we're like right at about an hour it was okay. about 10 minutes late so oh yeah we're, we're right we're right on now yeah was eight twenty. yeah oh. Oh. oh yeah there he goes dude that's amazing yeah this is awesome i've already composed an email to erica saying thank you so much (laughs) 
Yeah, it's amazing. This is good stuff. Because it's hard conversations, you know? This is yeah. what you want in, like, when you walk away, like, this is what a Quest graduate should be able to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, have these yeah. kind of difficult questions and do these things, like, that's awesome. I want to hook him up with my friend that is at UVU. He's a professor of law there. Oh, that's cool. Do you know the Burtons? The Burtons, no. He's he's the older brother of the, the story that I told. His name is Josh Burton. Oh. He died. And then his oh. older brother, Robert, went to they're from Canada actually. And they were George they went to George with in Canada. They were part of the George with Canada group, but Robert graduated from um law school at uh, the Notre Dame, Notre Dame Law. And he's a professor at UVU now. So if he's looking at that program, you should hook him up with him. Definitely. So. Yeah. Hopefully, um, my questions aren't too out of the way. It's a little bit sporadic brain. No. Yeah, he just texted me. His computer died. <laughs> and I just said, not sure what happened there. Oh, okay. We've had some great graduates ones recently. We have, yeah. Um, should I just tell them we're good or? Well, we have to, to end back? it. He said, can we jump on and we'll just say, we'll just end it if you, can you jump on? Because that was like middle, like the, there's no ending. I mean, maybe we don't have to end it, but it's kind of like hanging dry. It's like, do you have time to jump back on and we'll just finish up? Yeah. Well, I just made a shoe. Okay, there he is. You made a shoe, awesome. Yeah, I'm making moccasins now. Okay, we're on my phone now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already taken up a ton of your time, so we can just finish up real quick and, okay. you know, um, yeah, I don't remember the last thing you were talking about, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what I was saying. You but... know what? There was a point, right when you stopped, I, I was thinking, oh, well, we can cut right before that. So we're good. Okay. So why don't, Tati, why don't you just do your normal end of the thing and then... okay so um the end of the thing question we like asking is this podcast is called lemmy works so a reason why we wanted to come up with this is so we can show people how lemmy works so in your opinion is it true that lemmy works and if so how how has it manifest in your life as working awesome oh boy absolutely i uh, if you had told me a few years ago that my life's calling would be to liberate the captive and to educate the ignorant and to liberate through education, I mean, it has become my uh, my own purpose in life. And I know that's not going to be the same case for every child, but um, I... I guess you'll know that it works and that I believe it's worked in my life as I go out and live the next decades um, applying it and spreading it and uh, whatever form that looks like. I, I want to, um, I, I think the, the basest form of liberation begins with education, um, right? The truth sets you free and knowing true principles. And uh, Lemmy facilitates the environment that is indicative to truth and learning and obtaining and applying and living truth and, um, and to know principles, to see patterns, to think syntopically or not in a box, but to make connections across areas and studies and uh, to be a leader, to be an influence. And if you open your eyes for two seconds in the world that we live in, 
you will become very aware that we are in desperate need of free thinkers, of leaders, of innovators. Um, and, and I decided pretty early on in my life, and, and once again, coming back to my relationship with God, I have intuitively known that my life was meant for something more than mediocrity. And, and Lemmy and the principles of a leadership education were the key to unlock that step and uh, to unlock rising above uh, mediocrity, to fulfill a, fill a calling and to be a leader of leaders, a mentor um, to people within um, using these principles. I mean, it's just, it's hard to describe because it, it's like, how do you, how do you get a fish to notice water? I mean, I, I'm just, I'm living the principles and it's, and it's almost everything about the direction of my life. I can attribute to a leadership education, which has been given as a gift from God <laughs> and, uh, and the purpose that it has made me aware of, um, I mean, it's meant everything and it'll continue to mean everything for me. Thank you so much. This has been absolutely awesome. Such a joy, such a fun conversation. We could be here for a lot longer. It's been really fun to talk to you and to, to see your perspective and learn from you. So thanks for taking the time to be with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, I can't wait to see where you end up because, yeah, you're going places and it's exciting to see. Thank you so much. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired, but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things.